This is Rose recording from a sunny spot on a Thursday morning. We had a little bit of a whoops with the first six minutes of um, the recording from Sunday night where it was actually recording via the Bluetooth um, headphones in Daniel's pocket. So it kind of sounded like um, we were under the sea. So um, I'm just going to re-record the first little bit of the sermon from Sunday and then we'll jump in with the rest of the recording, which came good. So um, the Sunday sermon uh, from last Sunday um, is part of a two-part series, a little duology. Um, Annalise informs me that's a term you use for a two-part thing, um, which is around Jesus' invitation to us to move from worry and fear into prayer. Um, This idea of speaking about this came to me um, in a dream from God. Um, I woke up with a sense of of God's conviction around this being a thing for us to explore and journey with as a community. Um, That was about four weeks ago. Um, Woke up and kind of jotted down some notes for myself, kind of tied in with this book um, I had been reading um, called Reaching Out by Henri Nguyen. And we'll come to um, some of what he has to say later on. Um, But yeah, really feel like there's an invitation God is leading us on as a community of people. um, And also um, for some individuals, this will uh, be, I think, particularly transformative. So um, yeah, throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus instructs um, his disciples and the crowds to move away from fear, to not be afraid, to receive peace, um, and also teaches them and invites them into a way of prayer. Particularly in Matthew 6, there's this beautiful... um, kind of story Jesus tells about um, who God is and why, um, yeah, why we need not worry, um, where he's talking to the crowds on the mountainside. And then there's this lovely summary that uh, the Apostle Paul gives in his letter to the church community in Philippi, where he's instructing them in Jesus' ways. And Paul says in this letter, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And um, yeah, the big kind of opening thing I want to bring around this is that um, probably um, for some people, upon me mentioning worry, um, for some of us, it can be a thing of like, oh no, Jesus said, don't worry. And I know I worry a bunch. I'm already worrying about the content of the sermon. This is not good. Um, and my invitation uh, to you, if that's you, is to fuck a toe and relax because no one's getting thrown under the bus in this sermon. Uh, We know that Jesus challenges us. We know that Jesus disrupts the status quo of our lives. But he's also good to meet us where we're at and to um, call us forward from there. And so to any voice of shame that says you are not enough or you haven't got this, um, we can just say go away to that in the name of Jesus. I wanted to remind us of what Lauren shared at camp with us about um, a month or so ago about um, the voice of conviction which comes from the Holy Spirit. And how that comes from a revelation of God's kindness, not from our um, sense of we need to do better or I need to do myself help more around this or shaming ourselves into better behavior. And so I wanted to share that for me, the hallmarks of the voice of God is that when God has spoken to us, it will leave us feel like, feeling like we have more options, that there's choices we can make. There's an opportunity, there's a call to lean into. It might be that that call feels really daunting, 
but it shouldn't feel like you're trapped or closed in or existentially condemned or that there's something you should keep secret. If it feels like any of those things, that's probably shame and not God's conviction. On Sunday night when I shared about this, I asked the room, who here feels like they're learning the distinction between the voice of shame, which doesn't come from God, and the voice of conviction, which comes from the Holy Spirit? And probably about half the room put their hand up that they are on the journey of distinguishing where is God speaking to them and where is something else speaking to them? And so um, from the end of this sermon, if there's something that stood out to you, I'd really encourage you to reach out to some friends and just soundboard with them. Of Does this sound like God's voice? Can you pray for me in this? Um, can we discuss this together? Because it's really important um, with our journey that we um, have other people that we bounce off, that we... Um, kind of discuss with um, so we can journey forward and not get stuck um, and distinguish where is God at work um, and, yeah, find, find the way forward. And so, um, yeah, with this sermon, also would encourage you if you are uh, listening to it um, on the go, maybe take some notes or if you're sitting down somewhere, maybe draw because um, I feel like it's um, the kind of sermon that I haven't um, been able to parcel up super neatly. Um, it doesn't super easily fall into like a three-point thing um, because there's a lot here but hopefully there's something for you to take away. So the first thing um, I want to open with talking about is about God's invitation to us to become citizens of his community, citizens of the kingdom of heaven and then from there I'm going to loop back around to the business about worry. So a few weeks ago um, over Easter weekend I spoke at a small Easter camp and I got along to this little Easter camp in Otaki with Zoe and Jess. Um, we did a lot of cool things that weekend, one of which was that I recorded a mean hip-hop video um, of these two, which will get released sometime. Um, phenomenal content, honestly phenomenal. Um, but during the Easter camp, I spoke um, to a bunch of the crew there, and one of the things we were talking about was belonging. And I asked them, what are the kind of groups that you guys belong to? And some of the answers I got were bowls, which I was shook um, to hear, frisbee golf, which also seems slightly kind of elderly, um, and I don't know if it is. Is that quite an old person's thing? No. No. Fitness. All right. It's a young person's thing. Um, football, which is a little bit more to be expected, theatre, dance groups. And it was cool to hear what those guys were into. And one of the things we went on to talk about is how... A lot of the spaces uh, we can belong to, there's a certain level of you needing to be able to perform and be good enough to belong to them. So very often, belonging is tied to ability and performance in the world. But with the kingdom of heaven, it's so different. We read in the Gospels that Jesus began his ministry by preaching that the kingdom of heaven was, had come near because of him. And he said to people, you can join this kingdom. And what was the prerequisite prerequisite for joining this kingdom? For becoming citizens of this kingdom? It was to admit that on our own, we can't qualify for it. So it's pretty much the opposite of joining bowls or joining frisbee golf team. It's like, rather than being able to do it, it's kind of like not being able to do it is what like, gets you in to the kingdom of heaven. So unlike every, every other thing, where at some level we have to kind of perform to belong, um, the kingdom of heaven is the opposite. 
we accept that and receive citizenship in, in God's kingdom. And I think, um, like, that the language around that of kind of um, praying the sinner's prayer and, like, admitting your sinful and things like that has, has often been heavy and seen as kind of condemning. Um, but I've, I think, like, recently realized, man, that's a weight off your shoulders. Like, you don't have to bring a CV. You don't have to fake it till you make it. Um, it's like, oh, I'm actually... If I get it wrong, and I have bad motives sometimes, and I'm mean to people that I really love, and um, God knows all that, and admitting that, um, having the courage to admit that, is kind of what qualifies you, um, you know? It's like the humility is, is the way. Um, so, yeah, it takes courage to admit that, um, and to acknowledge that we, um, we aren't all we hope would be, um, but that is um, what enables us to receive the invitation to be citizens of the kingdom and to receive it as a gift. Not to receive it as something that we have earned or that we um, had to strive to kind of perform and belong in. Does that make sense? Yeah, cool. So the counter-cultural thing about Jesus is that entry into the kingdom of heaven, God's society, um, God's kind of dispersed community, in the world, um, is realizing we aren't perfect, we aren't good enough in and of ourselves, and just saying yes to the gift we're given anyway. So point one, Jesus came saying he's the way, the truth, and the life. And one of the ways we can understand that is that the way is choosing to receive Jesus' gift of citizenship into his community. The truth is that we can't and don't have to earn this and the life is the learning and the living into the customs and the culture of that kingdom. And so the reason I wanted to start with that tonight is because um, we, I guess the first thing that happens with us and Jesus is that we are offered a place irrespective of what we do. We're offered um, an invitation to be in God's family, to be citizens of the kingdom. And that after we've received that place um, as a citizen, we, um, we start learning the customs and the culture of that kingdom. And so Jesus' teaching around worry is, um, I guess, a teaching around what the custom and the culture is um, in his society. In the society of Jesus, um, the way isn't worry, it's prayer. But the fact that we might worry isn't a thing that disqualifies us from entry. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So that was, that's why I wanted to start there, is that our place with God is sure. Um, whether or not you're someone that worries heaps, or worries very barely at all, that, that isn't like the, the kind of a problem or a barrier. Um, but Jesus teaches us many customs, many ways of the culture of the kingdom, and um, one of those teachings is around how we interact with worry. Great. The truth is that our citizenship is something we receive from Jesus, not something we earn. And really, I think it's our only secure place of identity. Because life is fragile, um, and a lot of things can come and go. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's uncertain. Our health, our positions, our intelligence, our strength, our money, our relationships, other people's health, other people's positions, other people's intelligence, 
other people's strength. All of that stuff is fragile and it can be really subject to change. But when we accept the gift of citizenship into God's kingdom, it can't be taken away from us. Briefly, just so this doesn't get too heavy, I just want to tell a a story of um, cross-cultural clash, um, which I think I've told before, but far out, it still mortifies me to remember it. A couple years ago, I was in Switzerland, and I had a friend who was Australian, and they were staying um, at an Airbnb. Has anyone ever been to Switzerland? Yeah, that's right, Jess Adams. So so they have a, a system of direct democracy in Switzerland, Um, which culturally kind of means the people are just quite blunt. They kind of say what they think, they're like real direct, and are kind of like, to sort of like passive Pākehā rows, like quite confrontational. Um, So in New Zealand and in Australia, something that's kind of normal is just to have people over at your house, but that's not um, kind of normal everywhere. In some places in the world, people tend to hang out more like at the cafe, and you don't really invite people to your house. Um, So my friend, Australian, was staying at an Airbnb, which was a house. Um, The people of the Airbnb were also at the house. We were in town, (laughs) and I needed to catch a train, but it wasn't coming for a while. So my Australian friend said, how about you come to the house that is the Airbnb? And me thinking, oh yeah, you've just invited me to the house you're staying at, that's all good. I like, in a jolly way, just got along. So we're there at the house, and um, the, the owner of the house um, was in the shower <laughs> when we arrived. So we are just like making a cup of tea. And then the owner comes out of the shower and um, like gets dressed or whatever. And then they come see me and they're like, um, I don't know who you are. You, I know, you um, are staying with us. But you, I don't know. I just had to tell you, I feel very uncomfortable with you being at my house. Um, but now that you're here, you should stay and have your tea. Um, but I needed to tell you that I felt uncomfortable. And I was like, i got to go! <laughs> Get me out of here! And she was like, no, you should stay! Because I just had to tell you, I had to be like, honesty and just like speaking your truth is like really valued in the society. Um, and I was like, no, please, I have to go, I'm so sorry. Like, was mortified, I was like, I can't believe I've done this. Why did I not think this would be weird? And then she was like, no, you should stay. And then we just had this like battle and I just like, I adapted it. I was like, see you later. Um, and my, my Australian friend said it was just such an awkward time that night. I actually just felt so embarrassed. And then it was just this crazy dance. So that is my ultimate cringe, um, like culture clash story. I, I feel unwell even retelling it. And it's like, it's like seven years later, eh? it was just it was so bad. And so, I just told you guys that for a laugh. Um, I'm not going to say any more about it. Um, so this week, um, Kat, Charlotte, and I formed a working group, briefly, um, <laughs> to come up um, with a working definition of worry that would be helpful. Um, we used the internet and our combined intelligence, and we came up with worry is a pattern of thought, usually about the future. So worry is a behaviour, It's something we do. Um, And worry often comes up as a response to fear or uncertainty. So worry is a response to some feelings. It's a behavior, it's something we practice. Often it just happens. We don't consciously be like, oh, what behavior shall I practice? It's normally just like, oh, this happened to me. You guys know all about it. 
Um, and so I guess what I'm curious about is why do humans worry? Like, what is it about that behavior that serves us well that we choose it? Like, what, what's going on there that it's a thing we do? And um, I'm, I'm going to kind of like bring some kind of hot takes which are informed um, in large part by this book by Henri Noir um, called Reaching Out, of which I've just ordered five copies for the Blueprint Library. Um, and just a bunch of other stuff I've heard down the years, but I can't be bothered um, figuring out exactly who it was that said this stuff, so um, shout out to the other people that have informed this thinking. I think at the bottom of it all, why we worry is because it gives us an illusion of control. And it gives us comfort. Good things. And I think the stuff of us wanting comfort and wanting control um, are kind of a warped thing that's come about from the way we were originally created and meant to be. So in the Genesis story, we read about kind of two things about how humans are and God's relationship with humans. One is that we are creatures and we have needs, we have dependencies, um, and one of those needs is for comfort and it's for connection. Another thing is that we are stewards who are given responsibility, we're given choice, we're given agency, we're given creativity. So this thing of um, creatures with needs, one of those is comfort. Stewards who um, have a role to play in the world, we have capacity to do things, um, we're given creativity. And I guess my hot take is that um, our experience of living in a fallen world is that we keep trying to find comfort and connection um, because that's what we're made for in ways that are actually unhelpful and don't satisfy our souls. I was reading a blog post um, by a lady who um, yeah, has diagnosed anxiety disorder and is kind of journeying with that and journeying with God and that. And she was talking about how worrying comforts her. She said, it's like a, it's like a friend to me. It's familiar. It's not a particularly good friend, but it's, it's a friend. It's something I know. And I think, um, yeah, it's a thing that we can end up turning to for comfort. It's a thing to do. Um, and then this other thing of worry as a behavior um, that we choose um, is because it gives us a sense of control when we actually might not have much control in the situation. So say something uncertain occurs, um, we hold it in our minds and we kind of run around ruminating over it, spending energy over it, over it um, because, and that can be uncomfortable, like I don't think anyone particularly thinks that they enjoy worrying, um, but it can give us the sense of at least I'm doing something, at least it's, there's this. And it can feel better than admitting that we don't have much control. Or that we don't have control, perhaps, at all. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay, thank you. I thought I would give um, an example of um, the scene function on Messenger. Oh. Anyone familiar with the scene function? Yes. <laughs> so, take, for example, sending someone a message, asking them out for a date. They see the message. The scene icon pops up. And then there's no reply. 
<laughs> just like half the room leaves, everyone's like, ah! <laughs> For most people, the uncertainty of that kind of situation is so uncomfortable. It's even worse. It's like, like, it's like if you text someone and you can't tell whether they've seen it or not, like that's, that's better. <laughs> but if it's been seen in that space, um, that, you know, we might feel fear, there's uncertainty, and we get into the thought patterns of what if they think I'm, or just the what ifs, you know? What ifs are so uncomfortable? And rather than admitting, well, I don't know what they think, or why they aren't replying. Um, and if you need to take some space, friend, you're super welcome to. All good. No worries. You grab a comfy seat or a cup of tea. Yeah, for most people, um, just being like, huh, I don't know why they aren't replying. And I don't know when they'll reply. And I guess I'm, I'm just guessing, actually. Um, like often it feels, I guess we, we choose worry over just admitting that we don't have control or that we don't know. Um, because worry gives us some kind of illusion that we can work it out or we can, we can change it. So I think worry is this funny thing that gives us an illusion of comfort or control and an illusion that we have more power than we do. So in this book, um, Henry Nguyen describes this illusion around control um, is the illusion that we are immortal, which is quite like, whoa, philosopher's stone kind of vibes. Um, he says, um, it takes only a hostile word to make us feel sad or lonely. It takes only a rejecting gesture to plunge us into self-complaint. It takes only a substantial failure in our work to lead us into self-destructive thoughts. Although we have learned from our parents, our friends, and many books, that we are worth more than the world makes us, we keep giving eternal value to things we own, to people we know, to plans we make, and to the successes that we collect. Indeed, it only takes a small disruption to lay our illusion of immortality bare and reveal how much we have become victimized by our surrounding world, suggesting that we are in control. <laughs> So there's this pressure that comes from the world to tell us we should be in control and that we are in control. And pretty much um, what Nuan's naming here is that that's an illusion um, anyway. Um, and so I guess like that feels rugged when that illusion is kind of exposed. It's like, ah, oh, I wasn't in control of that situation. And he describes the journey um, we're invited on by God as one of moving from illusion to prayer. The, the journey of, um, I guess, reaching out to God is one of moving through illusion and realizing kind of the layers of paper get torn away um, and into true intimacy with God um, and, yeah, all of the mystery and the richness of that. He has this beautiful line which says, um, the journey is one from false certainties to uncertain truths. And so I'm going to read Matthew 6 now, um, which I actually think the fact that Jesus has something to say about worry, kia ora, welcome, um, is kind of encouraging. Like, 
The fact that a couple of thousand years ago people were worrying about pretty much the same stuff and that God um, came in human form and experienced that and talked about that is quite comforting to me. It's like, ah, oh, this is kind of part of what it is to be here and to be trying to figure out. Um, so if you have a Bible in some form, physical or digital, you can um, jump to Matthew chapter 6, um, verses, uh, verse 25. This is on the message. It says, If you decide to live for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's more to life, there's more to your life than food you put in your stomach. More, oh, this is such a small point. More to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more than the birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen colour and design quite like it? The ten best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. Not to be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you both know God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God's provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concern, concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing now and don't get worked up like what may or may not happen to tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And I think um, what I found super comforting about that is that um, Jesus knew... Um, like, he's on the mountainside teaching the people, um, and he knows the, the things that are heavy for them, and he speaks to those things. And I think there's a few things um, that we can take away from this tonight before next week we explore prayer more, um, that we can learn from this. So, there's more. He says, look at the birds of the field. These things are under God's care, and you're even more valuable than them. So I think a massive um, interceptor for our worries is realising that we have a secure identity as citizens in God's kingdom, that we have a secure identity as the beloved of God, that actually um, God's care extends not just to humans but to all that he has made, um, but that God does actually especially really care about us and that um, actually other creatures in the world um, have things to teach us. And it's quite beautiful to be like, look at the birds. The birds have something to teach you. Um, maybe you don't look at the birds, um, the pigeons on Cuba Street, but like, look at some <laughs> other birds. <laughs> they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet God feeds them. Aren't you so much more valuable than they are? 
Another interceptor of our worries is realising we aren't immortal. We aren't in control. And um, the surrender that Jesus invites people to make around those illusions, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Or by standing in front of the mirror, you know, can make yourself grow taller. Like none of us can make ourselves taller or shorter or like control whether you're going grey. I started going grey last year. Cool. Thanks, COVID. Um, just like, there's a lot of things that we only have influence over, not total control. We do, we do have power. We do have agency. And figuring out how much influence we have and admitting, oh, I don't have that much influence in that situation is really humbling. But the, the journey of... Um, God invites us, Jesus invites us to bring our concerns to God around that and to bring that confession of like, oh, I, I don't have um, capacity um, in this space, God, and to share those things. A third comfort to our worries is that, um, yeah, we have a merciful God who knows what we need and has set up this world with incredible systems, um, like the complexity of the earth is just so astounding, eh? And the network of relationships and ecosystems is so, so beautiful. Um, and that there's all this stuff that um, works together and continues to work together. Um, and that, yeah, we're blessed to experience it and to steward it and to participate in it. Um, and that God wants to give us good things. And I think pursuing God and drawing our attention um, to that bigger picture um, gives us perspective on other worries that can grow in our mind. And so I think what we get from Jesus isn't a, um, hey, don't worry, and if you are worrying, go away, worry what? Um, I don't want to be near you today. Uh, but instead we get, hey, when you worry, come over here. And talk with me about it. Instead of sit, sitting in your own head with these things. And it, it's okay to admit that um, you don't have control in that particular space. Like God isn't surprised. We're often surprised. Like, ah, I thought I could control whether they liked me or not. Uh, but I can't. <laughs> um, and I guess that um, without um, that secure place of identity in God it, it is actually really scary to, to make those admissions of, of like I don't have this all like totally on lock um, but the gifts we're given is to be um, um, I guess creatures under God's care and so we um, we can role model that to other people of like ah, oh, it's okay I don't have to be responsible for everything or pretend I'm in control of everything or whatever because um, there's another way with God where I can admit that so the, I think like this is all quite a, a profound mystery and quite intense work and is definitely a lot more of an upstream um, process um, for some of us with our personalities and our experiences. And so it's a, um, it's a deep and enduring journey with Jesus with this stuff. But I think it is an important one because um, I think God longs um, for intimacy with us and longs for connection um, and to give us comfort um, and to provide for us and to reassure us um, 
whilst also we live within the realities of a world where there are uncertainties. And so I think, um, yeah, it's going to be a cool journey to explore next week some more of the, I guess, practical ways of how do we pray? What do we actually like turn to um, when we're feeling worried? Like when that's really real, what, what then? How do I begin to move from illusion um, towards prayer? Knowing that that's not a linear journey, but um, that's an invitation God, God calls me into. So God is inviting us to take comfort in him, to trust in the one sure standing place of his love and the identity we have as citizens in his kingdom. Um, our experience here is that um, we come into situations where we're afraid and um, things are uncertain, uh, but we can hear again um, the invitation that Paul extends to the Philippian church, which is, don't fret or worry, instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer. I love that idea, shape your worries into prayer. Kind of like kneading dough or like clay or something. Letting God know your concerns. So share, share your concerns. Don't, you don't have to bottle them up. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Cool. Awesome. I invite you guys um, to stand now. You might want to stretch for some of you if you're feeling agitated, which I would understand because this has been a lot. Um, feel free to kind of wriggle around, use your body, um, do what you need to do. Um, and I think the invitation um, I feel tonight um, and that we prayed about um, before the service was that... Um, Today is Mother's Day, um, and in that we remember there's um, images in the scriptures of God um, as a mother hen that longs to gather chicks under her wings um, and to draw them near to her um, and to protect and shelter them. And so um, tonight, um, as we gather and worship, we gather under the wings of God, um, and yeah, we gather <coughs> under the wings of one another. Um, as God's people, as, as God's hands and feet. Um, and so, yeah, just encourage you um, to bring, maybe bring to mind now what is the thought that's most on top from what I've shared, um, to bring that before God. And, yeah, just invite the worship crew um, to come up. or move this big space station um, rolly thing. Um, but, yeah, let's just bring, bring to mind that thing that feels most on top.